What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Water's Edge online Sunday morning worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today is our 15 year anniversary service. So if you can't be with us in person, thank you so much for being with us online. But we also want you to know if you're a local listener and you would like to get, get back with us in person, then our in-person services, both services on Sundays are back open with a full experience, a full worship experience. Cafe is open, kids' church is open, nursery is open every Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15. We are back in-house. But again, thank you so much for joining us online. And for those of you that continue to share these messages with your friends and family, Thank you so very much for doing that. People are tuning in from all over the place. And also, for those of you that continue to watch online and you continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. That helps us create atmospheres that people can connect with God. It helps us love more people, help more people, serve more people, and feed more people, and reach out to our hurting community. So thank you so very much for that. Today, we finally finish up with our current series entitled Reunion on our 15-year anniversary service. And let me just explain this series to you in this way. During certain seasons of our life, sometimes it can feel like we've lost some things about ourselves. We've lost some things about the core of who we are. We've lost some things about our identity, about our forgiveness, about our strength, about our resolve, about our faith, and about our love. And so in this series, we've been looking at this question, and this is what it is, and remember this today. What are some of the parts of you that you feel like you've lost and they were the best parts of you? And you would love to recapture those parts of you again as you go forward in life. Sometimes in life when we need to go forward, we need to be set free, we need to overcome, we need to deal with a storm in our life. Sometimes to go forward, we have to go back and recapture some of the best parts of who we used to be. And so that's what this series is about. It's about those times in our life when we need to look back, but not to focus and dwell all over again on the past or the pain or the guilt or the regret or the shame or the mistakes, but to look back and recapture the those parts of our life that we never wanted to lose and that God never wanted us to lose. And so this series has been very, very helpful. Now today, I want to talk to you about something that's a little bit different because today is our 15-year anniversary service. And so today, I want to share more of a story with you than a lesson. But in this story, I think that we can learn some lessons. I think that we can learn some personal lessons. I think that we can learn some spiritual lessons, some corporate lessons. And I think that we can find some inspiration because this story has different parts, but all of all of these different parts really tie in together because this is really a story about me and about my journey and about my relationship with God and about God's call on my life. It's a story about us. It's a story about God. It's a story about faith. And it's a story about putting faith into action. But most of all, I think that this is really a story about love. It's a story about God's love. And honestly, this is a story about looking back and how sometimes looking back can actually help us have that reunion with the best parts of who we used to be to go forward in this life. But first, let me start this story off by telling you about how this entire idea or seed got planted. Now, sometimes the way something is introduced to you will determine how you feel about it for probably the rest of your life. Take vegetables and cake, for example. How was cake first introduced to you? Birthday 
birthday cake at your very first birthday that you could far back as far back as you could remember. Cake was presented to you at a party with a celebration, with gifts. There's candles. You get to put your hands in it. You get to put your face in it. You get to eat it. It tastes good. You get to throw it at people. And there's a big party. And that's how cake is first introduced to you. But think about how broccoli and vegetables and carrots and all those things were first introduced to you. Probably as far back as you can remember on Sunday after church having lunch or dinner with your family and you better eat your vegetables or you're going to be punished. And so cake was introduced to us from as far back as we can remember through a party and a celebration and a good time. And vegetables was introduced to us for as far back as we could remember through punishment. You better eat them or you're going to be punished. And so for most of our life, we have to fight against this desire to love cake so much because it was introduced to us in this fabulous way. And for most of our lives, we have to fight against this desire to not love something that's so healthy for us, which would be our vegetables, because it was introduced to us through punishment. Well, this was how God, this was how faith, this was how Jesus and everything else involved was introduced to me. I remember when I was a little boy, the very first Sunday school class that I went to at a church that my dad was on staff at, that I was growing up at, a Bible-believing church, they said. And I remember the very first Sunday school class that I went to as a little boy that I could remember The Sunday school teacher on that day had this piece of paper that he pulled out. And on that day, he said that we were going to do arts and crafts and he was going to teach us how to draw. And this is what he taught us how to draw on that day. He taught us how to draw some flames and we colored in the flames to make it look like a burning hot fire. And in the center of that fire, he taught us how to draw a devil with a pitchfork and a tail and horns. And once we were finished, this is what he said. This was our lesson for that day. He said, this is hell. And if you don't give your life to Jesus, if you don't accept Jesus into your heart, this is where you're going to go when you die one day. God's going to send you to hell. And if you don't want to burn in hell forever, you need to give your life to Jesus. And I remember I didn't know what to do with that as a little kid. It traumatized me. That's like giving jewelry to an animal. Like a a pig doesn't know what to do with a pearl necklace. A dog doesn't know what to do with earrings. They don't know what to do with that. Well, a young child doesn't know what to do with that type of information. And so from the very beginning, it formed this view that I had of God. It gave me the impression that with God, I had to constantly walk on eggshells, that God was always on the edge of either accepting me or rejecting me, depending on me, depending on how sincere I could get my heart, depending on how real and passionate I could get my faith, and depending on how genuine and authentic I was, that determined how much my life changed. And if my life didn't change enough, then maybe I didn't get it right in the first time. And so, I was always walking on eggshells with God. Religion created this reaction inside of so many of us. It was almost like our relationship with God resembled that of an abusive parent or an abusive partner, always on eggshells. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. Am I in trouble? Am I not in trouble? Did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong again? Am I punished? Do you still love me? I hope I get this right. It was almost like we were taught to be in relationship with God, but he was this abusive partner, this abusive parent. This doesn't sound very peaceful, does it? This doesn't sound very loving, does it? It doesn't sound like a healthy, loving relationship with a loving God. Am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Am I getting this wrong? Am I getting that wrong? Do you still love me? Am I even lovable? Am I forgivable? I hope I get this right. What if I mess up? This doesn't sound very healthy. 
Many people end up walking away from God because this was how God was first introduced to them, like a, like a schizophrenic dad who cannot make up his mind. This is not the correct way to introduce faith in Jesus Christ to people. One of the reasons that I felt like God wanted me to start the water's edge was from the very beginning, we wanted to introduce people to Jesus in the right way, with love to the God of love. So growing up, I was surrounded by this very legalistic culture. Man, we went to this church and we had Sunday morning church and Sunday night church and Wednesday night church and we always heard every single service that tonight or today may be your last chance to give your heart to Jesus. And if you don't give your heart to Jesus, you're gonna die and go to hell. And I remember as a six-year-old little boy, I went to this church that was growing and people would come down the aisle after every service and they would get saved or they would give their heart to Jesus because they didn't wanna go to hell and then after that they would get baptized and I thought as a little boy man that's kind of cool if I get saved I don't have to go to hell and then I get to go swimming in front of the whole church and so when I was a six-year-old little boy one night I told my daddy I said daddy I want to get saved but what I was really thinking was I don't want to go to the bad place I don't want to go to hell I want to go to the good place and see grandma where there's clouds and angels and puppies and fluffy things and songs and music and all that kind of good stuff and I want to swim I love to swim man that's one of my favorite things to do and I want to swim in front of the whole church and get baptized that's what was going on in my little brain but this is what came out I want to get saved well my dad my parents didn't know any different man that was how we were growing up in church and so they thought awesome our little boy wants to get saved so they called the pastor over and they sat me down in the living room my dad on one side the pastor on one side they're asking me all these questions Tony do you believe that Jesus loves you yes I believe that do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins I believe that do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead I believe that do you believe if you ask Jesus to come into your life right now that he'll save you from hell and you'll go to heaven when you die and you'll be a Christian yes I believe that so they led me in a prayer to ask Jesus into my heart my dad started crying that made me emotional. But guess what happened to me that night? Nothing. Because I didn't understand what was going on. Now, the next Sunday, I did get to get baptized. I did get to go swimming in front of the whole church. I was so excited that when the pastor dipped me under the water, my feet flew out from under me, and I kicked, I kicked water all over this old man in the choir. But I remember after that service, I ran around the entire church to make sure that everyone saw my hair wet because I just got baptized. I just went for a swim in front of the whole church. And so this is how I grew up, man. And I thought, man, I'm good. I'm good. But then a few years later, I remember thinking there's something missing in my life. And year after year after year, it felt like I had this emptiness in my soul that wouldn't go away. And I was searching for something to feel that emptiness. The whole time I thought I'd given my life to Jesus. I'm good. But what was really empty on the inside was I didn't understand that decision. And I just made that decision to stay out of hell one day. But I didn't really know God. I didn't really give my heart to God and follow Jesus. And so when I was 19 years old, I finally did that. I finally understood what it meant to follow Jesus. And that's when I got serious about my faith. And it wasn't about dying and it wasn't about heaven or hell. And it wasn't about where I might go when I died. I just wanted my life to change. I just wanted to love people. I just wanted to love God. I just wanted to be free on the inside and have peace. And I just wanted to know Jesus. And so, man, I remember one night I went and woke my dad up and we went to my bedroom and I prayed and I asked God to take over my life. And then about a year later, I started to preach. And then I was a youth pastor, and then I began to preach revivals. And be honest, back then, the only thing I knew to do was to introduce people to God the way that I was introduced to Him in almost like this scary way, like you had to make this choice right now today before it's too late, or you may burn one day. And 
I remember uh, I became a pastor several years after that. And I remember one Sunday I was standing up and preaching and I noticed that the week before there was a young man that came to church and then this week he wasn't there. And so while I'm preaching to these people, I'm thinking in my head, why didn't that guy come back? And while I'm asking myself that question, while I'm preaching to people, it's like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Tony, it was because of you. You scared him. You introduced me. You introduced God to this person, to this young man in the wrong way, and you pushed him away. And it broke my heart, and that led me down a journey to rethink, how should I introduce people to God in the correct way? After that, I was leading another church that had too many issues for me to know how to deal with. I was way too young, and I was not wise enough, but I certainly saw the ugly side of religion at that church and God used all of that to put a passion inside of me to come back home to Lake Charles and to start a brand new church, a new church, a different kind of church with a different kind of ministry that gave people the correct first impression of Jesus. And so this was the process that we went through to start the water's edge. I remember I prayed by myself for about eight months. Every single night, I would just ask God, show me what to do, show me what to do, show me what to do. And I was going through the book of Luke at that time every night as my quiet time, just a chapter a day. And I remember as I'm praying, I remember one day I went to my office and I talked to my little brother and Ryan said, hey, if we ever go to Lake Charles and start a church, we should call it the water's edge church. And I said, why is that? He goes, well... He said, God did so many cool things at the edge of the water and Lake Charles is on the edge of the lake. And I said, man, that's pretty cool. And I remember one night I kept praying, does God want me to come home to Lake Charles and start a church? And I turned off the TV. I was watching Law and Order. Everyone else was asleep. I turned off the TV and I just started praying, God, I need to know tonight, tonight, what do you want me to do tonight? Do you want me to go back home to Lake Charles and start a church? And then I opened up to this passage in Luke chapter 5 and the entire passage spoke to me, and this is what it says, starting in verse 1. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out from here where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some more fish. The very first time that Jesus met his first disciples was at the edge of the water at the water's edge. And then he told them after he finished teaching the crowds, let down your nets here and you're gonna catch more fish. And so as I'm reading this, I'm remembering the conversation as I'm praying and the conversation that I had with my younger brother. And I felt like God was saying, there's fish that you can't catch here. Go back home to Lake Charles and start a new church with a new ministry, with a new boat with a new bait, with a new net. In the next passage in that same chapter, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. And after I read that, I felt like God spoke to my heart and God said, Tony, your new ministry is gonna be to those people that no one else wants because when you had leprosy, you were isolated from society. No one wanted to be around you. And if they touched you, they were considered unclean. And I felt like God was speaking to my heart and saying, Tony, there are people that no one else wants and that's what your ministry is gonna be about. Out. In the very next passage in this chapter, Jesus heals a man who's paralyzed. And I felt like God spoke to my heart and said, churches don't really help people. They just teach people all the time. And so I want you to start a new ministry that not only teaches people, that helps people, the people that are paralyzed in their mind, in their heart, in their circumstances, in their emotions, in their storms, help 
people. Start a ministry that does that. In the very next passage in the same chapter, Jesus calls Matthew, a tax collector, to be one of his disciples. And then after that, he goes to Matthew's house and has a big dinner or a party with all of Matthew's tax collector's friends who were sinners, it says. Notorious sinners. And after I read that, I felt like God was saying to my heart, your new ministry is going to be to those people that other churches consider just too unholy to even fit in. Those types of people that don't feel welcomed at other churches. But what really got me was this passage, and this is what it is in verses 37. He says, and no one put new, no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. And I remember I started to think about that passage, and back in the days of Jesus, when you would have wineskins that would get old, they would get brittle. And when you would put new wine into them, and that new wine would ferment and expand, those old wineskins would bust and break because they weren't flexible. And I felt like God was saying, Tony, you have a new vision. And if you keep trying to do this new vision in established ministries and established churches that aren't flexible, you're going to bust those things wide open. So go home and put a new vision into a new church. Go home and start that. And so this is what I did that next week. I resigned my job where I was at. I had no idea what to do. And then the very next day, Cinemark Theater at the mall called and said that we could start the Water's Edge there. So we met with our planning team. We met with them for over a year. Once a week, we prayed with them and we planned and we prayed. And then we had our very first service in September of 2007, September the 16th of 2007. And we never looked back. And so this is something that everyone needs to know. From the very beginning, we had a very specific vision and a very specific mission. And so notice this today, if you're still with me, I'm still with you. We exist to creatively tear down walls between God and people who feel far away from God. We're not trying to steal other sheep from other churches. We want to reach those people who don't have a place to go, who've been hurt by church, who haven't been back to church in years and years and years, and who feel like God is far away from them and they're hurting. And we do this by trying to be creative with our services and our love and our ministries and how we reach out to the community. We want to do this with love and creativity. Next is this. This is our mission. Love God love people and serve the city and this is actually our three-step discipleship process this is what we want us to do together as a church we want to love God together in our worship services we want to get on serving teams and love on each other here as we serve together and then we want to get on those serving teams and serve the community and love the community so we want to love God in our uh, worship services we want to love each other as we serve together and then we want to love on the community as we serve the community and then we have constant opportunities, constant opportunities to do this. And so in your daily life, in your daily life, you can do these things and you can make a difference. But here, you, we have constant opportunities to get plugged into these ministries that reach the city and serve the city. When we as individuals and as a group get plugged into these things together, then we draw closer to God in our personal lives, but also we draw closer to God together as a church. But the main desire, the main heart, the main focus is this. The main motivation has always been this. And notice this today, if you're still with me, Sam's still with you.
We want to heal a broken view of Jesus by serving hurting people with no strings attached. Basically, we've always wanted to be a gathering that put our faith into action. We all grew up in the type of churches that thought being faithful to God was getting up and going to a Sunday school class and not skipping it and going to a church service and not skipping it and coming back to church that night and not skipping it and going to church on Wednesday night and not skipping it and going to every revival and every youth camp and every disciple now and not skipping it and we filled our life with bible knowledge after knowledge conferences camps revivals and we thought that was putting our faith into action that's not putting our faith into action it's learning about our faith when we started the water's edge from day one we wanted to take our faith and what we knew about jesus and take it to the streets and put it into action and serve people and love people and help people and feed people and welcome people with no strings attached and this is why so many people And many of you were given this religious, broken, false, dangerous view of God. And so because of that, serving people and loving people with no strings attached and accepting people with no strings attached does a couple of things. And this is what it does if you're still with me. Sam's still with you. It gives us the opportunity to put our faith and love into action. And it also makes people curious as to why we love so much, wanting nothing in return. And so then people say, why are you doing this? Why do y'all show up? and feed? Why do y'all show up and shelter? Why do y'all show up and help so much? That's when we could say, hey man, it's because we love God and God has changed our life. And honestly, I think that this is something that you want to be a part of. We're the only organization and church in our area that actually does nonprofit work. Most of that, most of the other organizations in our area offer spiritual services. We're one of the only ones that actually offers services to our community. Over the past 15 years, we've had food pantries, month after month after month, feeding approximately 2,000 people every single time we feed. We shelter whenever we have bad weather for the homeless community, and we do this for the city. And I don't just mean to serve the city. We do this because the city officials depend on us. We've given away $710 gas cards just a few months ago to help people who were hurting in our community, free diapers to single moms behind the neighborhood at the mall. We gave away 500 free bicycles to families and kids at Christmas one year. We gave away 400 box fans to elderly people living in apartment complexes during the summertime who couldn't afford to run their window units. We have homeless community dinners during Christmas time and on and on and on. And we've done this month after month, week after week, year after year with no strings attached. Why? Because there are people all around us that were given this broken, dangerous view of God. And so because of that, they've been hurt. They've been pushed away. They want to have no nothing to do with God. And so here we come show, to show up to love people and serve people with no strings attached because there are people out there who don't believe that Christians live what they say they believe. And we want to be those people where people could look at us and say, man, they show up. Man, they love. They just get out there and work and do. This is a very unique gathering with a very unique approach and a very unique vision. And I think this is something that you want to be a part of. And so as we finish up, let's just identify some quick lessons that we can learn from this story, but also how you can be more involved with this very unique church. 
gathering, mission, and vision. The first lesson is this. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. God is love, and He loves you perfectly, and His love does not waver. Whatever you've heard about His love, whatever you've been taught about His love, it is much better. It's beyond our understanding. He loves you perfectly like a perfect father. The next lesson is this. Sometimes in life, you have to take a risk. Everyone told us that we should not start a church, but we did. Sometimes when your circumstances are pushing you towards the edge, you just need to step out of the boat and take a risk. At the end of your life, you're not going to regret all the, all the risk that you didn't take. At the end of your life, you're going to have regrets for, the, for all the risks that you wish you would have taken. But the last thing is this. How can we be a team? How can we do this unique, significant vision together? Well, a few ways, and this is one of them. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. Join us in making this ministry a part of your life. Not your entire life, just a part of your life. We don't want your entire life to be wrapped up in the water's edge because then other parts of your life are not going to get the attention that they need and deserve. We just want this very unique gathering to be a part of your life. And so you may be saying, Tony, okay, that sounds good, but how do I do this? It's very simple. Check this out. Notice this today. Worship with us, pray for us and with us, serve with us, and give. Let me say that again. Worship with us, pray for us and with us, serve with us, and give. And you can do a little bit on your own in your life. But honestly, could you dream with me for a minute? How much more of a difference, how much bigger of an impact could we all make together? What if we could all do this together? Well, the answer is this. We could do bigger things than we could by ourselves. And it would also do nothing but grow our relationship with God. Worship with us, pray with us, serve with us, and give with us. And that will cause us all to love the community together and make a big difference. Now, most of you would love to do all of that. But to be honest, except for the giving part, our area has been hit hard and people are deeply struggling, but we can't do this thing and we can't keep doing this thing unless we all come together and do all of it together, unless we all come together and worship together, pray for each other and pray with each other, serve together and give together. We've got to do it all. And when we do, it'll bring this big significance to our gathering and to our personal lives. So we've come up with a very creative idea for those of you who may be struggling to give, but you want to do something. We have a list of ministries that we offer for, for, for no strings attached whatsoever. We just offer these as ministries just for free, just because we love people and help people. But we also want to give you an opportunity to give to these ministries because we know many of you appreciate these ministries and you have friends and family that appreciate these ministries. So we've come up with something called just the $10 challenge. And this is the ministries that we offer. Free counseling services, free food pantries, free homeless ministries, Tuesday night recovery ministry, Wednesday night youth ministry, Thursday night young adult gathering. And then we have special servanthood projects for the city over and over and over again. We give away water. We give away clothes. We give away gas cards. We have block parties where we give away food. And so this is for those of you who say, Tony, I can't really give a percentage yet, man. I fall on hard times, but I would like to give something sometime. At the beginning of this service, you saw all the giving information. We would just ask you that if you could, and you want to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself, to maybe send in $10 every couple of weeks just for these ministries that you appreciate. Just $10. 
to the maybe the counseling service ministry or the food pantry ministry or the homeless ministry. And if we all come together and we worship together and pray for each other and pray together and serve together and give together, if we all do that together, then we can become a much bigger force in this city. And people will look at us and say, man, I want to know more about that God. But the last thing I want to share with you today is this, and notice this today. You can make small differences by yourself, but we can make a bigger difference together because we are better together. And understand that we're always better together. So let's worship together. Let's pray together. Let's pray for each other. And let's serve together. But let's also give together. And let's creatively tear down walls between God and those people that feel far away from God. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We absolutely love you. We cannot wait to see you back next week and we hope you have a wonderful week.